The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the one holy and living God. Today the church celebrates the Feast of the Holy Name, which always falls on January 1st, eight days after Christmas, remembering the Jewish custom of circumcising and naming a male child on the eighth day. And so today we are celebrating the name of Jesus, but this feast also takes on a secondary meaning in light of our first reading. In the passage we heard from the book of Numbers, we were given the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the divine countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites, on my people. The holy name of God being placed on the people. Now, the word we translate here in this passage as Lord It's actually the unspeakable Hebrew name of God, the Tetragrammaton, or the letters yod Hey vav Hey, which is sometimes pronounced by Christians as Yahweh, but which is traditionally never uttered by Jews. And so when the name had to be spoken, it was replaced instead with Adonai, Lord, as a way of pointing to or speaking that which is unspeakable. And it's even been said by some of the rabbis that this name of God is actually the sound of the breath. And that this is why it's essentially unspeakable, because we're actually speaking it. We're carrying the name of God on every breath, not just us, but every creature constantly speaking the unspeakable. And so today's feast, it holds and celebrates this tension between naming and the unnameable, between saying and unsaying, which is a paradox that lies at the heart of all mysticism. How do we speak of the unspeakable? And the name Jesus that we celebrate today, uh, Jesus itself is a translation of the Greek Iesus, which of course is not the name his parents actually gave him. Most scholars assume that name would have been the Aramaic Yeshua, a shortened form of Yehoshua, or in English, Joshua. And etymologically, that name, it begins with Yah, which points to 
yod heh vav heh the unspeakable, the unnameable. And it ends with shua, which can be connected to the verb meaning to rescue or save, or to the noun meaning a saving cry or a salvation shout. And so this name itself holds the tension that we're speaking of. Yah, yod heh vav heh the unspeakable, speaks, cries out, shouts salvation to us. And salvation in the biblical languages, it's connected to the word for healing or wholeness. Jesus says, your faith has saved you, which can also be translated, your faith has made you whole. And so again, Yahshua, the unspeakable, present in our very breath, is our wholeness. And so this name is a name pointing to the nameless. And this entire Christmas season that we're moving through, it's about the unfolding of this very paradox, that somehow in Jesus, the unspeakable is spoken. Somehow in Jesus, the infinite becomes finite. And that reality continues unfolding and deepening today when the unnameable, for our sakes, takes on a name. This paradox of saying and unsaying, naming and unnaming, it's captured beautifully in an early Christian text called the Gospel of Philip, which was probably written in the late second century, so too late to be given any kind of canonical status, but nevertheless a window into what early contemplative Christians were contemplating. And it's not a gospel in the traditional sense of telling the story of Jesus. Instead, it's a collection of Christian mystical teachings. And in it, we're given these rather shocking words. The words we give to earthly realities engender illusion. They turn the heart away from the real to the unreal. The one who hears the word God does not think of what really exists, but a concept or an image of the real. The same for the words Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, life and light, the resurrection and the church, and all the rest. By these words we are made to think not of what exists, but of what does not exist, though these things could point to what really exists. Wow. So a powerful early Christian reminder that all our words, including God, are pointers which means that there's always the risk that we will mistake the pointers for reality itself and that we'll end up worshiping our own mental constructs rather than the living God. And so Philip here in this text rather mercilessly rips away all of our words from us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, life, light, church. But then after his demolition project, With great tenderness, he gives them all back to us. The passage then continues, But truth brought names into the world for our sake. And one cannot refer to truth without names. Truth is one, but its names are many for our sake. To teach us lovingly this one thing through many things. Today we celebrate this great mystery that the unnameable took a name for our sake. After eight days had passed, 
It was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus. Now, this text always pairs in my mind with another text, and since I've already brought in the Gospel of Philip, I might as well bring in the Gospel of Thomas, which is simply an early collection of sayings of Jesus. And one of those sayings goes like this. Jesus said, A person old in age will not hesitate in asking an infant seven days old about the place of life and will find life. Here we have someone at one end of life going to someone at the other end, at the beginning, in order to discover or remember what life's really all about. And significantly, Jesus says here that this is an infant seven days old. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. A person old in age will not hesitate in asking an infant seven days old. A child seven days old is still in the state before naming, before being circumcised, before taking on a religious identity, still in that original freshness straight from God. And so when we hold these two texts together, we see this delicate dance between naming and unnaming, between the seventh day and the eighth day. On the eighth day, which we celebrate today, Jesus, for our sakes, takes on a name. And then the named one points us back to the one seven days old, to the nameless. We say and we unsay. We name and we unname. This is the great mystical paradox. But today, today we celebrate and give thanks for the naming. Today the nameless takes a name for us, Jesus. And I think that this is perhaps not only for us, for our sake, but also for the sake of the nameless. There is a need, a longing, flowing in both directions. The nameless, I believe, delights in taking on a name, in taking on all of these names. So they shall put my name on my people, we were told in the book of Numbers. The divine name placed on each person here. And while the divine delights, the nameless delights in being named, we are invited into the delight found in returning to the nameless, to the silence, to the breath. The name of Jesus that we're given today, it holds this paradox, and it holds it open wide in both directions. Yah, the unspeakable, shouts salvation. Now this name, Yahshua, Jesus, paired with the breath, is one of the church's earliest forms of prayer, what we usually call the Jesus prayer. Its most common form today is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. But its earliest forms seem to simply have been the name itself, Yeshua or Yesu or Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus, Yah saves, the unspeakable makes whole. St. John Chrysostom, he wrote in the 4th century, 
of this Jesus prayer. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ descending into the depths of the heart will subdue the serpent holding sway over the pastures of the heart and will save our soul and bring it to life. Thus abide constantly with the name of our Lord Jesus Christ so that the heart swallows the Lord and the Lord the heart and the two become one. And the two become one. The nameless and the named become one. And so I invite you now in the brief silence that follows these words to simply breathe the name of Jesus. I learned this prayer in a very simple form from Sister Helena Marie of the Community of the Holy Spirit. And she taught me simply to breathe in on the in-breath, Jesus, and to breathe out on the out-breath, mercy. Breathing in the love held in that name, breathing out mercy and compassion for all creation. And so if this simple form calls to you, or if you're drawn to a more familiar or longer form, uh, give yourself to whichever calls And take a few moments with it now, breathing in this amazing reality that today the unnameable takes a name for our sake and delights in placing the divine name on each of us. Amen.